Welcome to the underground, the Steel City Underground, the black and gold standard for Pittsburgh Steelers coverage. Now, here's your host, Joe Kuzma and Brian E. Roach. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Steel City Underground podcast. My name's Joe Kuzma, and returning back to his uh, usual I guess spot or position here on the post game show. One Zach Flash Saladonia. Zach, it's a wonderful day in the neighborhood. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing wonderful. You took the words from my mouth. I couldn't be happier, actually. Got our best offensive output from the Steelers. They won. I won some bets. My fantasy teams won. And I don't think I was thinking this morning, I don't think I've hit on a trifecta like that this year. If it's usually either the Steelers will lose my fantasy teams lose or I lose money on bets. It's, it's one of the three that doesn't come to play, but this weekend we hit on all three, baby. Hey, that's good to hear. Um, I was I'm two and four in my fantasy league right now. I lost a game by like a point and a half last week and it was just driving me crazy. Oh, I didn't play anybody that was like worth a damn either. You know, everybody had like, um, uh, big games and, I'm just like, not me. Like I sat everybody that would, that had like a big game the year, the, the week before, including like Justin Fields pre busting his finger. So I like, I've lost games because of sitting players or not playing certain players. And so just to peek into my fantasy life is I'm looking at the Monday night matchup. I need Alexander Madison to have a, a big game. And right now I am losing by 0.45 points because we have the decibels <laughs> and I'm up against Brandon Ayuk. So and you've got Madison. I got Madison. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I could talk myself into that. You're not dead yet. I know I'm not dead in the water. I was sitting there looking at Jordan love with the Packers. I was looking at Devonte Smith last night. I'm like, come on, somebody do something after B John or B Jan. Um, Robinson gets me a point three. I'm like, come on, dude. And I got Gus Edwards. Who's done Jack all season long and this goes into like covering some of the AFC North games, right? Like, cause the, the lions go into Baltimore and just laid down. They weren't the lions. They were like, you know, my fat house cat that rolls over. And the only, the only way he rolls over is one. He wants to show you his belly so he could claw you, but the lions didn't even have that in them. So they, they look like a Mufasa. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. They looked like Garfield. <laughs> <laughs> like it's just so bad man and it's like i have like the worst of luck too it's like my kicker was on a bye it's like i could play graham gano from the new york giants with that just stellar offense that they have there i've got guys that are hurting on the bench too like that yeah, I, I'd, I'd almost rather have the entire lineup of mine and bench all do bad than when you see your bench do good that's the worst because then you think it's your it's your fault it's your mistake now you should have put the other guy in i actually survived so I have two leagues, um, a third if you count my dynasty league, which I don't really count because that's like a continuous thing. But the two normal leagues I'm in, PPR, uh, I actually have Bijan on both teams. And I was able to survive his .3 performance somehow. Uh. And um, they're saying all kinds of things, man. They're saying he was hurt, but they dressed him as a decoy. They're saying he got sick during the game. They're saying he had migraines. So I don't know if we'll ever know what happened uh, with Bijan, but um, they were able to pull out a win, the Falcons, without him. So that speaks speaks to uh, Arthur Smith, I think. They did a good job, even though Desmond Ritter, thank God he's not our quarterback, <laughs> three red zone turnovers, man. It, it was almost like he was doing it on purpose at a certain point. 
was that uh, I saw a little bit of that because then I was watching primarily the Browns and the Colts and um, had both games on early. It was like all the AFC North games were on, so I didn't have to deal with Taylor Swift and the Swifties later because obviously I didn't I didn't flip over to that game until like the last three minutes or so that were left after the Steelers. And, yeah, I'm a red zone guy. I was just in uh, red zone all oh, day. Oh yeah, I had red zone going, of course, too. Browns just just two awful like calls like but they handed both of them uh to to them at the end and i'm just like man i'm just glad i'm not a colts fan because that's got to be like just when i was talking you know with um ryan from the believe in la uh la football podcast uh but he's on the believe network anyways he was on the pregame right and just talking about like he brought up like Sean McVay and coaching decisions. I'm like, everybody's talking about firing Tomlin, firing Canada. And here you go. You got like the Rams. They've just had a more recent Super Bowl. They've had, you know, two years ago and yeah, fire McVay. And we'll be talking about coaching decisions in that later because there were a couple there where you're like, you know, when you're in the heat of the moment, this is what happens in these games. But geez, being a Colts fan has got to be brutal. You lose Anthony Richardson. You got this like first first round pick that you spend on a quarterback and he looks like a, you know, a tremendous uh, alpha male type athlete. And they were actually playing pretty well. One of their defensive tackles ends up getting hurt on that team. John, you're going to get Jonathan Taylor back, but who cares? Zach Moss has been good. They bust out like these alternate uniforms to play against Cleveland and they're ready to roll. And just, um, you know, Gardner Minshew had them rolling at first. They were up like 14, seven and that game was just a back and forth, back and forth. And then Cleveland pulls Deshaun Watson. And that was just, you got a chance check out some of those highlights. I, I won't belabor any of this with the AFC North, all the AFC North teams win good and bad for the Steelers. None of those were like any, uh, you know, just uh, overall record type games. So the Ravens are in first place by virtue of having the five games, the five and two record. And then the Steelers are second, uh, four and two and the Browns. And that's third. bullshit. Yeah. That's bullshit. Cause we beat them. I know we have one it's less coming. win because we had a bye week but we should be in first place. We beat them head to head. It's coming. It's coming. They still got the tiebreaker there. I'm trying to think actually, uh, when are the Ravens on a bye? They have had, they gotta be on a bye soon because, They've had a hell of a schedule so far. Nobody on a bye next week. Oh, they got to go to Arizona now. Wow. They must play like every game. And I don't mean to not get on the Steelers Rams game here, but just out of my curiosity, they were just on the road again in, in Cleveland. All right, let's see. No, I do not want to subscribe to Baltimore Ravens, whatever it is. So huh. let's see. Uh, then they already had three division games. So they played at Cincinnati. They had the Colts. They lost at home to the Colts, which was a shocker. They go to Cleveland. They go to Pittsburgh. And then they go to Tennessee. Well, Tennessee's a road game. Doesn't take a home game away from them. But that was actually played at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium over in the UK. And then they come back to host a game against the Lions. And now they got another road game. They go for a West Coast trip. This team's got to be jet lagged at some point, you would think. That's just that is just brutal. And then uh, now as their schedule starts to come around, they're going to have uh, Seahawks at home. Let's see. They still don't have a bye. Seahawks at home, Browns at home, Bengals at home. Then they go to the Chargers, West Coast trip, and then a bye, and then get some home games. So that's pretty wild. It's going to be kind of tough. We'll see how they end up uh, hanging there. They're doing better than I thought they were going to do this season. So And then the Steelers, of course, unexpected. Well, maybe expected. First half offense was... Nothing to write home about. We'll go through some of the plays here and whatnot. We saw some of the 
quote changes that Mike Tomlin ends up implementing. Nothing like, you know, monumental. Probably the worst was letting Dan Moore out there. And Dan Moore had his moments. I will say that much. I, I can't just, I'm not going to just pile on the guy. He had a, I think he had a solid game. I didn't, I didn't notice him. Yeah. And, and as a tackle, that's what you want because really the, the biggest, um, mental mistake from the offensive line I felt like was early in the game when you had that play where Chuk Sakura for and uh Connor Hayward miscommunicated and they just let the edge rusher free yeah. and um sat Kenny. That yeah. was probably like the biggest mistake I felt the offensive line made all day. And um Dan Moore wasn't a part of it. So yeah, credit to him for not being in the headlines today. Yeah, and Dan Moore, let's see, all of the offensive line, 100% participation in the game. George Pickens, 90% of the snaps, and Connor Hayward, 86%. Can you believe that? Like, Connor Hayward's up there in the snap count category. Is that one of the changes? Maybe that's necessitated by, I mean, he's playing, like, basically as the starting tight end. He's, what, six foot tall? Guys, he's like a hobbit, in a way, <laughs> a little wrecking ball. Yeah, I don't know so. their their hesitancy to, to use Washington more. I mean, he's playing, too, and... Maybe it's just, maybe it's the comfortability level with Kenny Pickett. I know they have chemistry, and Connor Hayward probably knows uh, the playbook maybe a little bit better than Washington. But it's definitely unconventional to, to see him out there as a starting tight end. And I don't think he really did outside of that miscommunication with Chuksakor. For I don't think he really did anything bad, but he didn't really stick out either. No, no, uh, Connor's been fine. I think Connor's been a pleasant surprise, I think, especially for his draft position. As much as he's been playing, he seems like more of a utility guy. The interesting one, of course, we thought might fall off a cliff too, as we're talking about participation in the games. You have about an even snap count with Najee Harris, 34 uh, plays to Jalen Warren's 27. But Rodney Williams gets in there for 11. Kelvin Austin drops to seven, which is only three more snaps than Minka Fitzpatrick plays on offense because of the victory formations. That's kind of like the interesting stat for today. As we start to dig into um, some of this, you know, the Steelers, what do we say, man? Punt, three plays, three yards, punt, first play, you know, first series of the game, they get the ball. They did have six plays for 32 yards and a punt, eight plays for 37 with the field goal that they got after L.A. missed their own field goal. Brett Maher, thank you very much for not keeping the game close. Two missed field goals and an extra point would have evened this out and made things more interesting at the end. Uh, would have changed all of the play calling and everything on both sides of both for both teams. So thank you, Brett Maher. You are a godsend. Um, thank you, Boswell. <laughs> Yeah, and thank you, Boswell, nailing a 53-yarder in the same direction. I'm like, don't, no worries. Chris has got this. You know what I mean? So oh, it, it's every game now. It's every yeah. game. I'm reminded, like, just how how good we have it with Boswell. He's he's probably the MVP <laughs> of, of the offense for the season thus far. You know, George Pickens maybe a close second, Jalen Warren up there, but Boswell is so consistent. We have it so good with him, and um, it's always fun thinking back that we we got him because of the debacle that was Josh Scobie. Like that all happens in the same year. They trade for Josh Scobie. He costs us like two or three games. They cut him. And then they, uh, they bring in this kid from rice, Chris Boswell. And it's it, story's been, he's been money ever since. Yeah. Houston Texans swung a miss on him. Well, that happens. You know, you got the incumbent guy. Look at like just what happens with um, Presley Harvin right now. Who... He was on the Texans and the giants. I believe actually both of yeah, those teams yeah. uh, before we got him and Presley Harvin too. Presley Harvin. Um, um, I was very happy to see uh, coming back from his injury that he picked up pretty much right where he left off. He was dropping balls inside the 10 
And uh, he's kind of already crossed over to a point where he's punting so well. I don't know if you've noticed this, but it's it's almost like Boswell where it's being celebrated less because we're, we're already expecting it now. So that's great. That's what you want to see because Lord knows the Steelers have struggled with, with the punter position for a long time. And it, it seems like they may have finally found some consistency there with Presley Harvin. Yeah, did you catch the on this photo, Carnell Lakes boy? Is actually in there <laughs> yeah. wearing the wearing thirty seven. Also, we were just talking about that off air, but he's got the old man's number on. That's got to be cool. Be oh really yeah, cool. that's why uh, that's why Humphrey on the Ravens wears forty four too, because his uh, his dad wore forty four for the for the Dolphins, and Humphrey was originally number twenty nine. When they signed Earl Thomas, he wanted to give it to Earl Thomas because he was like you know the veteran that they signed to come in, and he switched to forty four. Yeah. 44 is a solid number. I like those consecutive digits. Uh, my daughter was doing some basketball evaluations, almost kind of like tryouts over the weekend. And, you know, they try on jerseys too to see what fits. Cause like with kids, you never know. Like, and this was still swimming on her, but I'm like, eh, whatever it is, what it is, you're growing. She's already like five, three and only a 10 year old. Um, my cool. girl, my, yeah, my girl's going to be like a, a tiny, she's a tiny giant already. She's going to be like an Amazon or something. Caitlin Clark so, coming through. <laughs> to like, got to ensure her legs maybe in the future. You never know. It might be like that, an Angie Everhart or something like one of those uh, sports illustrated swimsuit models or something. I don't know. Uh, I don't have that high of expectations, you know, but you never know. I'd be a proud papa, but um yeah i'm like what number is she gonna get because like in, like she's playing like rec soccer they just have like a bunch of like standard issues like one through 12 and it's like here you go well numbers like 9 10 11 and 12 are all extra large jerseys or something you know what i mean so you're just gonna have this so i'm kind of interested in that you don't get like what the you get jersey swag uh we don't know yet it hasn't been placed with the team but to be gotcha, gotcha. yeah to be continued uh, in basketball man i always had like i had 32 45 34 i liked consecutives so even if it was like reverse, so you weren't touching 23 back in my day, but, um, when Jordan did return out of retirement, I was already wearing 45 when he was. So that's kind of like a cool one. Even if I hated his guts because I was a Cavs fan and or Craig Elo, that's all I could say. So yeah, I, I don't know if it's the same for girls, but I know growing up, it's, it's a big deal for boys. Like I, I still remember my, my first ever number, it was T-ball. And um, my dad was driving me to like picture day or whatever. And I remember in the car telling him that I wanted to get number 10. I, I don't even have a reason why. I think I just liked it as like a solid number. And um, we pull up to the fences and they have all the shirts on the ground. And I beeline for the number 10 jersey and got it. And like that set the pace for the rest of my life with how I viewed jersey numbers. Oh my God, that's so funny. I can remember wearing uh, my first one in first grade soccer for the uh, grade school I went to was 17. And I won't forget that. And uh, then I tried to wear it all the time, but like you'd play in park leagues and stuff. Like I had 17 all the time for the school all the way through like eighth grade or however long we got to play soccer. For, oh yeah. So. Sometimes it's out of your control because like they, they don't have it available or the, or the kid above you has it. I remember actually, I went back to number 10 for uh, freshman football and I would have kept number 10 the whole time I played, but the kid in the grade directly above me was a quarterback and he was wearing number 10. So I, I couldn't wear it after freshman year, but I always like number 10, Santonio Holmes. Oh, Santonio. That's a, that's a classic. So, all right. Um, you know, and in doing this, I'm like looking at this, I was like 37 Carnell Lake. Like I, I forgot that, you know, he was injured for a year. He actually ended up with the Ravens. Uh, that's how he finished out his career. I totally forgot about that. I remember he went to Jacksonville. He only had two seasons outside. Rob Woodson both. Yeah. Um, a bunch I, of traders. yeah, I think, uh, I, I do believe Woodson was on that same roster actually. So let me see here. Uh, Rex Ryan was a defensive line, man. It's just kind of uh sick. They had Marvin Lewis back then. This was the two. 
2001 Ravens. They lost the divisional round to the Steelers. Um, but yeah, like uh, Brian Billick, offensive coordinator, Matt Cavanaugh, some throwback names, Marvin Lewis, defensive coordinator, Jack Del Rio, linebackers, Mike Nolan with the wide receivers, Rex Ryan, defensive line, Mike Smith was a assistant and also with the defensive line. That's um, that's a pretty stacked Nobody talks about Brian Billick's coaching tree. <laughs> yeah, no wonder they were so good back then. Yeah. Oh, man, that's pretty crazy. And, of course, Marvin Lewis, too. You know, he's got uh, got some history, um, long history at the AFC North with the Ravens and then uh, also with the Bengals and then the Steelers. He did basically the world tour. He avoided going to those losers uh, in Cleveland. So, uh, anyways, this game like this beginning of this game, like I was saying, punt, punt, field goal, punt, punt. Like you're just kind of thinking, Oh, great. Like, here we go again. You know what I mean? Oh man, you know, I was texting my friends and I think I put it on Twitter too. I said, I would do terrible, terrible things for some offensive consistency. And I'll say this though, given what we've seen this year in the prior games, this was like the best, the offense look I felt because even though you're you're reading down the list right there right now talking about you know punt punt field goal punt there were plays sprinkled in between there where the offense seemed to be doing something for a second and then whether it was a sack or a run call on second and long or a penalty that 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 wiped it away so i felt like this game was less about you know it was less about maybe kenny not making the right throws and less about uh, the plays that were being called being the issue when it was just the Steelers were getting in their own way all over the place. I mean, the George Pickens penalties, we'll get to those in the mental gaps, but he, I felt like when you were watching the game live time and you're not just going back reading what happened, it looked like there was something there to build upon. And it felt like we were just like player two away for like the entire first half. And uh, clearly it, it took to it took until the second half for, to get things really going, but I felt positively encouraged going into halftime because if you go back and look at the 49ers game or the Browns game um, or the Texans game, those were some abysmal offensive performances in the first half. Like you, you couldn't do a damn thing right. I didn't have that vibe watching watching this game. Yeah, and you know what? I agree with you. You took the words basically out of my mouth. There was probably more negativity just because of, you know, the game starts, the Steelers, like I said, three and out. Uh, Najee did get eight yards on that first carry, which was pretty big. And then um, Kenny took that sack, minus five, lost five yards, and they go to a third and seven, and then he couldn't find George Pickens, and you had about a 35-yard punt from the Steelers 28, and you're like, okay, it only gets to – the Rams 37 and you know, I got already sensed that people were starting to talk about, Oh geez, Dan Moore's already started. You know, that was already showing up on Twitter and what are the things that uh, Mike Tom and none of this is really changing. And then we bring Presley Harvin back and you know, it was a little bit more of a shorter punt and Oh geez, what are the Rams going to do? And they come out and they get, they get a first down and then uh, on this drive, which is actually kind of interesting. They, they gave up like Daryl Henderson, who has been on the streets may as well have been you or I kudos to him must've been staying in shape. He, you know what? How, how much did he play in this game? He had 39 snaps. That was 57% of the Rams offense. That's, um, that's, that's really impressive. That's the most of the running backs Rolls Royce Freeman, 
at 29. So they had a split, but I'm like, geez, you're letting this guy just like walk. Both of these guys come in like basically off the street and they look like all world. And of course the narrative or one of the things that was coming out in the clickbait world of, you know, Steelers aggregate blogging and whatnot was Kevin Dotson. And lo and behold, Kevin Dotson gets an offensive holding penalty tagged for 10 yards here. Third and 14, Larry Ogunjobi comes in, looks like Bill Goldberg out of old school WCW in the late nineties and just spears uh, Matt Stafford. And now the Rams are going to be forced to punt uh, from the, you know, basically mi the middle of the field. Uh, Larry Ogunjobi played really, really well yeah. yesterday. Maybe, maybe his best game overall as a Steeler because he had that sack and he also forced the a holding call later in the game and he was playing fast. He was plugging up the middle. Um, Montrevious Adams played pretty well too. It was really encouraging to see the both of them kind of rise to the occasion and uh, help stifle the run game for the Rams because it was going for a second there. It felt like, man, this is just so, so Steelers to have like these two running backs that nobody gave any time to nobody has on their roster, but here they come for a career day against the Steelers. Like I, I was thinking about um, like Alex Collins from the Ravens. And there's a bunch of other examples too, where it's like, wow, this guy wasn't even on a team two weeks ago. And here he is cutting the Steelers up for five yards a clip. There was uh, a dude with a really long name began with an O that was, I, I think it was with an O that played for the lions when Mason Rudolph had to start. And I was like, who is oh, dude, this he's guy? On the team. He's on our team right now. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, I can't say his name now either. <laughs> He's our kick returner, number yeah. 48. Yeah, yeah, uh, the Bud Dupree number. That threw me off, too, and I'm like, oh, jeez, man. I'm like, we mentioned Calvin Austin. He was about to become – everybody was so happy, sigh of relief, that Gunner got got dropped, you know, at the end of the week. And uh, I had my cousin. He's just crazy. I think he actually – he said he broke his phone yesterday. I had to mute his ass. I pick up my phone, and I'm like, okay, 11 missed messages, and it's just like, screw this team, blah, blah, blah. He's so mad. I'm like, you know, okay, that first drive – sucked you get to the second drive and i don't know how but it was this was almost like classic Steelers now where Najee, how's Najee fumble he never fumbles and, it's, and i'm like he had to be down and it was like you know just like you could have slid like a couple of those plastic shims that you buy at like menards and yeah under him and he would you know it close calls like that puka nakua with like that toe tap later in the game that was just sick insane the ball like the plays aren't going your way but luckily that Isaac Sumala was there to pick up the pieces. Uh, they got a first down. Um, the fumble Ruski, yeah. like in the longest yard. Yeah, got a first down off of this. So he was able to advance the ball. You know, it only went up to the 27. They advanced it another few yards up to the 32. Well, five yards in total. Then Jalen Warren comes in. And I, could see, I could already hear it, you know. Everybody's kind of saying, oh, okay, now now you don't have to deal with Najee. See, this is what we want. We want Jalen Warren to be playing and only Jalen Warren to be playing. And it's like, well, I'm not necessarily going to throw, like, Najee, you know, out to pasture uh, just so quick. Kenny ends up finding George Pickens for 17 yards. Then Najee comes back in. He gets a nice little gainer, six yards on first down. I'm like, this is looking pretty good. I mean, you've got uh, Aaron Donald out there. You know, this isn't a, <laughs> there's no slouches really. And I love, did you, did you see or hear Najee's post game by any chance? And he was just like, they, they were talking about like, were you trash talking with Aaron Donald? Cause they were talking about it. I think Kenny Pickett may have even said it. He said, well, we just run everything away from Aaron Donald. <laughs> that was like the call every time. And I believe on one of the touchdown runs, that's exactly what they did. They just changed it from left to right. Like you're hitting the old, um, I don't know, is it the triangle on on the PlayStation? Uh, I'm playing on, on Xbox. On uh, Madden. Flip the to flip the play, yeah. So, you know, flip the play, run away from Aaron Donald. Well, Najee Harris was saying, 
well i wasn't really talking trash to him he was like i i told him he was like i was like I'd love it if you tackle me. You're my favorite player. It means the world to me. It's like, you know, like, can I get your autograph after the game? Like, he's being like, killing him with kindness. Just, and Najee's got like the biggest smile on his face. And I'm just like, man, that's just some silly stuff. So, yeah, they gave him the, uh, the Miles Garrett treatment because all the football nerds will tell you, even when Miles Garrett doesn't produce much of a stat line, like Aaron Donald didn't produce much of a stat line yesterday. They still affect the game like in a serious way where the offense has to scheme around them and just avoid them. So I thought Aaron Donald had a pretty quiet afternoon, but it's all because like you just illustrated, the Steelers were purposefully avoiding him in order to have any type of success on offense and, and have any type of run game. Uh, you got to stay away from Aaron Donald in those situations. And I thought the run game play, played well, like all things considered, like there, there were times where, you wish Najee wouldn't bump it outside. You know, he seems to still carry that bad habit, but uh, I thought him and Jalen Warren both were running confidently. Uh, they were running downhill and they both had uh, very crucial plays for the Steelers uh, to continue their success on offense. Yeah, um, definitely. And you, you see, well, this play ended up with one of those two steps forward, one step back type things in the first half. You had Najee lose five yards right after the six-yard gain, and then Connor Hayward gets tagged for a holding uh, call, so that would have been coming back anyways, but the, the Sean McVay declines, elects to let, let that down get burned, third and nine. Kenny takes a shot deep for George Pickens, and it was just like, ooh, the timing's just off, but I like it. Like, you're backing everybody off. Like, this okay, this is some play calling I can get with because it seems like there's a little bit of a run game going. You're mixing it up real nice. You're taking some shots. Yeah, and, and you, as, as the receiver on that play, you got to give your quarterback more room to work with. You, I don't know if you were listening to the broadcast yeah. or not, but I believe it was Troy Aikman even mentioned that's not a bad ball from Kenny Pickett. He put it where it wanted to be over the outside shoulder, but George Pickens didn't give him any room to work with. As a receiver and as a cornerback, the sideline can be your friend and it can be your enemy. It's more of the friend for the defensive back because you know you can push the receiver out of bounds you use it to your advantage but as a receiver the sideline can be your friend too you can talk nice to the sideline as a receiver and get it on your side but you gotta it's it's a fundamentals thing and it's something that um you know pickens is a very young receiver still he's still got to work on a lot of these smaller things if he's a foot more inside on that fade route that's a completed pass and the steelers either score on that play or they're sitting pretty first and goal yeah, and uh, that was Daryl Moose Johnson, the other cowboy. Oh, uh, Daryl Johnson, my bad. Yeah, uh, Troy and Joe Buck went to Monday Night Football. Yeah, yeah, I was mixing broadcast. up the uh, the cowboy lineage. Yeah, okay. he was he was bad. Like if you couldn't see, there was some phantom calls or some real ticky tack calls in this game. And the only reason I didn't have more of a problem with Craig Rolstad and his crew is because it evened out. It was like more consistent as, you know, he, they ended up calling it both ways. I think there was one like later that was like, you could have probably let it go. A lot of crews you'd see, let it go. And I think it was Deontay Johnson. You could tell he got hooked or wrapped. And, but man, the holding calls, it was like Alex Highsmith got tackled at one point. I know TJ gets held. I know there could be holding on every play, but it really did seem like a real pick and choose type thing out there. It was just some of the like pass interference or whatever calls, the calls or no calls. It was, they were out there. Um, it wasn't the best crew, but at least it like seemed to balance out. You know, it was like, what are they going to let these guys get away with versus what aren't they going to let them get away with? Steelers end up up. Harvin has a nice punt, gets down at the six. 
and you're like, all right, good. You know what I mean? Matt Stafford incomplete. Stafford couldn't get any like real rhythm going. And you let Rolls Royce run for nine yards, fourth, uh, four yards on a third and one, uh, 30 yard pass to Puka Nakua. And you're like, oh, here we go. You have them like, you have the Rams backed all the way up, right? And Royce Freeman gets another 11 yards. They end up with a situation where it's a third and five. And Sean McVay kind of trots him out there. This is the first questionable one I had. And I think it was because, let me see if I can find them kind of sleeping here, right out at the 50, right on the logo. And if I pick up something that's like fourth and two, fourth and one, then we're just going to go for it. You know what I mean? Well, Steelers stuffed this out. Minka with a huge tackle on uh, Royce Freeman. Only a gain of one yard, fourth and four. Brett Maher gets trotted out there for a 53-yard field goal, and he doinks the uh, left upright. So the Steelers get the ball back. You're like, okay, still hanging in this, right? And it just felt like this was going to be just a, a game that slogs. This is still the first quarter. And Najee gets some things going. You finally get Deontay Johnson involved, 14 yards. Najee runs for six, runs for nine. Then Kenny gets sacked. And you're like, man, can anybody just hold up the fort here? Can we get Broderick Jones out there maybe? But then Kenny finds Connor Hayward. They pick up some of this. Uh, they find Deontay Johnson. And then uh, George Pickens gets tagged for an illegal blindside block. So instead of the game being, or the Steelers offense having the ball in the red zone at the Rams eight yard line, this gets backed up to a third and 17 from the 35. Yeah, they got him with the Heinz Ward rule, man, ironically. I, that's, it killed me to see that, man, because it wasn't, you could say it was a soft call. Like he didn't hit the guy too hard. But that's it's a penalty by definition. That's the yes. rule um, that the Steelers set. It's the Heinz Ward rule. You can't do stuff like that, man. How long was that pass play? Do you know, right now that was negated. Uh, it was 19 yards. 19 yards. Okay. Yeah. So stuff like that kept happening throughout the course of the game. Yeah. George Pickens do the uh, the crackback block, right? You also had George Pickens, as mentioned moments ago, way too close to the sideline for that go route, not giving. Pickett a chance to drop the ball in. Then you had George Pickens go alligator arms on the guy he cracked back blocked on a good ball from Kenny Pickett over the middle. Another missed opportunity. Later in the game, you had Deontay do the taunting penalty that negated another oh, passing that, play. That was so, so there's stuff all soft. over this game where like people are hooting and hollering, they're seeing red, they're all mad, and they're like, Kenny just can't get it done. I'm like, dude, we saw. The Niners game, the Browns game, the Texans game, there's very clear situations that we've seen recently where Kenny's not playing well, he's missing receivers, he's taking sacks. That was not the story this game. I felt like Kenny was doing enough throughout the course of the game to keep the Steelers close. And fortunately, in the end, he came through going, what was it, seven for seven in the fourth quarter for 138 yards. So once the Steelers stopped stepping on their own toes, once they stopped making dumb mistakes and taking dumb penalties, Kenny was able to steer the ship into the promised land. We we looked good in the fourth quarter because the offense as a whole stopped making dumb mistakes. It doesn't always just come back and fall back on the quarterback. Yeah, I was going to say this was it might have been Kenny's best game. I mean, I, Definitely I know it was. It, it was. That's why I was so when I when I pulled up Twitter and I saw people, you know, freaking out about his output in the game. I'm like, are we watching the same thing here? I felt like. Given what we've seen this year thus far, this was a big step in the right direction because you had fourth quarter Kenny come and save the day, but you still had some semblance of offensive success throughout the early parts of the game too. 
You know, it's it's a step-by-step process. He's developing live time. And, and that's not good enough for some people, but he's not going to wake up and be 2013 Big Ben out of nowhere. He's mm-hmm. got to take steps to get to that point. And I think yesterday was, was his best game of the season. I totally agree with you. Um, I mean, I, I like that Raiders game, but that was a, a struggle too. This Raiders just, was a close second. Yeah, I mean, this is it was just the penalties, self-defeating penalties here. Boswell put, gets you some points, puts you on the board, three, nothing. Kenny Pickett, by the way, finishes this game, uh, 17 to 25, 68% completion percentage for 230 yards. Of course he had a rushing touchdown as well, uh, later on, uh, Deontay Johnson, by the way, he ends up adding, he gets, uh, five, uh, catches 79 yards. Pickens leads everyone with five catches, or uh, a buck seven. So by far, this is George having, Pickens' first back-to-back hundred-yard performance of his career. Yeah, and, and you're going to keep, you're going to continue getting these. Uh, this is this is trending in the right direction. Everybody just wants everyone to like grow up and be like the, an all-pro player, like right out the gate. These mistakes, trust me, they're going to talk about it <laughs> during the week. You know, you yeah, can't do this yeah. and that. Uh, that's his third 100-yard receiving game this season like and then and that those passes are coming from somewhere yeah they're not just falling from the sky into his hands well what i was going to say is and if i go back uh far enough and look who who else has had did anybody have multiple 100 yard receiving games last year because pickens didn't he only had one for his rookie year and if you bring up, let's see, Deontay Johnson, I'm willing to bet Deontay didn't even score a TD. So it's going to be hard for me to, to to even think, but I'll look him up and I'll see, because I guarantee you Pat Fryermuth didn't. Yeah, Deontay didn't even have a 100-yard receiving game last year. Like Now you're going to have to go back uh, maybe to 2021, because uh, like who else would have had a 100-yard receiving game on this roster last uh, last season? It would exactly. have been, no, you're you're witnessing improvement yeah. live time, and it's it's reflecting in the other positions around Kenny Pickett. It isn't just about his development, but you're seeing George Pickens ascend, and it takes two to tango. He's not doing that on his own. He's developing a great chemistry with Pickett, and the two of them are helping each other develop. Yeah, so I'm I'm verifying this. I'm looking at it right now. Not Pratt Firemuth. Mm, Chase Claypool. Do we think we have like a winner here? Let's see. Chase Claypool, probably not because the offense was putrid. Oh, he actually had seven catches for 96 against Tampa. That would have been with uh, Mitch Trubisky in there. Yeah. So you have to go back at least probably to the 2021 Pittsburgh Steelers with Big Ben uh, still in. And I'm just out of curiosity. Uh, Deontay had to have had, uh, if not Deontay, then perhaps... Let's see. Deontay had over a thousand yards receiving, so you you would think he had to have had a um, a couple hundred yard games. But uh, it, this is like this is just how sad this whole offensive. Um, <laughs> I don't want to say onslaught. Yeah, he had three one hundred yard games with Big Ben uh, back in the twenty twenty one season. It would have been week two against the Raiders and then games against the Chargers. Oh yeah. Wasn't that like a shootout 41, 37 loss and then the Ravens. So, and then that's, uh, that's about it. I mean, I'm sure Claypool or somebody else might've been in there and I'm not going to belabor it too much, but here you go. Star in the making now with George Pickens and he's only going to get better. We talk about all the things he could end up improving as this game continues. Oh, let's see here. Boswell kicks the field goal. 
The Rams don't really do anything. You have an intentional grounding on Matt Stafford. You have another offensive holding. It was second and 30, second and 29. You're like, okay, don't give up the fort. We've seen them do enough of this. That, you know, um, bad football, bad defense or whatever. They're playing, they're playing pretty well, I think. One of the things that was changed here defensively, Keanu Benton. I'm going to look up uh, Keanu Benton's. Biano Benton. Biano Benton. Uh, 28% of the game, but I know he got in there. I'm not sure if he actually started this game. He's got to play more, man. I mean, I, I guess know. now I kind of sound like I'm contradicting myself because Larry Ogunjobi and Montrevious Adams played very well yesterday, so they didn't really need Keanu Benton. But I had that thought during the game after Nick Herbig got his first sack and Joey Porter Jr. was playing well. I was like, where's the third guy? Where's Benton? I thought he, of the three of them, I thought he was going to play the most, and he played the least. Yeah, it's very it's very odd. It really is uh, when you look at it. And Porter was one of these changes too. Uh, Levi Wallace ends up getting beat at some point. I'm gonna end up catching up to it. But Porter, oh, same shit, different day. Oh, you ain't lying. So uh, Wallace, um, he gets pulled a little bit, and you even had um, James Pierre come in in like dime situation. He actually played two defensive snaps. It might've been his first action the whole year. Cause I don't oh, do definitely because I saw him flash on the TV screen. Like I saw 42 and I had a thought, I was like, wait, we just receive a punt. Was it <laughs> like, I thought we were on defense. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty crazy. Um, yeah. Nick, Nick Herbig getting that sack, man. I, I felt good for him, man. He just, his eyes had to be wide open. He was probably drooling waiting for that ball to get snapped. I mean, that was just, that was sick. He was just so quick. They just were not prepared for him. Steelers the get off was really, oh. really good. He was shot out of a cannon, it looked like. Yeah, Steelers, um, it's a 53-yard punt. They get down to their 19. They didn't do much with this. They end up a three and out, and you're like, oh, great. There's still like 10 minutes left in this second quarter, and going through a lot of this is just, you had Herbert get his sack right here on the very next drive for the Rams that we were talking about. Uh, second and 16, Pukunakua gets like five yards. Third and 11, Pukunakua for 22. Joe, that was the one where uh, Joey Porter kind of goes low on him and doesn't get a full tackle. And that was one of the things we were thinking was like, was tackling part of Joey Porter's issue? I don't think physicality is really a part uh, an issue with his game. He seems to be a very physical player, maybe too much sometimes. Yeah, he definitely tried. He, that's what you want to see. He sticks his face in the fan. Yeah, he's not. Uh, the fact that he wasn't able to make the tackle was just a, a physical deficiency. Yeah, he's not Marcus Peters. So yeah. he's just going to walk the other way. Or Deion Sanders. Mm. They don't pay me to tackle. They pay me to cover. We're paying you to do both, Joey. Yeah. Oh, man. Dion, Dion, Dion. Don't get me started. Um, But you know what? The Steelers end up holding okay here. Brett Maher. They tied the game, 41-yard field goal. Steelers get the ball. Uh, Calvin Austin left in for one yard, one of the few plays, as we mentioned. And he was in there, and you see an Akela Witherspoon sighting, and everybody's, like, doing the Leonardo DiCaprio on his couch, like, pointing, like, I know that guy. Oh, he plays for another team now. Now we want him back. He was a bum when he was with the Steelers. Cut that bum, but now you want him back. Same thing with Dotson, right? Uh, but Witherspoon gets – he gets mossed a couple times as this game goes on, by uh, George Pickens especially. So – um, the Steelers, uh, they end up, let me see a little bit of a drive, but not much. Kenny has an intentional, uh, grounding. He had pressure that was put on him. Presley Harvin booms one though, 55 yards down at the Rams 12. 
And this was a drive where the Rams take the ball, eight plays, 88 yards. They get the ball with about 346 to go and only leave about 25 seconds left before halftime. And, of course, the Steelers are going to take a knee and go in the half, kind of licking their wounds. This was um, Matt Stafford finding Tutu Atwell for 31 yards. And you're just I'm so like, mad. Levi I'm Wallace. so mad, dude. They ruined halftime for me. I was yeah. ready to go into halftime, vibes high, and then they let something like that happen. It's it's such a defeating feeling because, you know, you feel like you have a chance, a good chance, actually, when it's 3-3 and you're ready to hit halftime. You tell yourself, okay, maybe they'll get three points here. Six threes doable. But to hit a, a, a basic Hail Mary for a touchdown going in with almost no time left is so mentally defeating. It actually speaks to where this team's head is at and, and the coaching and the, and the leadership in the locker room because – that can take the wind completely out of your sails, mm-hmm. especially when you remember the Rams got the ball coming out of halftime. So not only do they score a late touchdown, they get the ball right back coming out of half. Oh, dude, that had me so worried. Uh, Brett Maher, though, misses the point after attempt. So you've got a yeah. goofy 9-3. to three. Uh, I don't even want to say baseball score, but it's single digits. And you're like, wow, this is going to be a grind if the Steelers are going to win this game. So, that helped me feel better when he missed the kick. I was like, okay, well, maybe we'll win 10-9, 13-9. <laughs> yeah. Well, I should have texted you this during the game. I was texting a lot with Brian. Brian had a lot of things to say he wanted to be on today. I don't know if he's going to be on this week. He's got a very busy week. So one of these days, all three of us are going to have to get on the same calendar here. I, the only thing I could say, and I probably tweeted it. I might have copy-pasted it right out of it. I said, TJ Watt isn't human. And this uh, very first play attempt, this was a pass attempt for Cooper Cup. TJ Watt like slides back, he's into coverage, and then he reads the quarterback. And you have an edge rusher picking off a ball like he's an inside linebacker. Looking like his tight end days at Wisconsin. Like, what? Hands. What is this? Now, you know what pissed me off? I wanted him in the end zone. I got that Steelers. Uh, I thought he was going to score. He looked like he was going to score. Not only, not only for my fantasy team, I do have the Steelers D, which a lot of people slept on. And, you know, you get all these turnovers that they create and all the splash that they create. They've been scoring me a lot of points, even in this game. But I'm like, this offense isn't going to be able to score. It's going to be another field goal. It's going to be like 9-6. That was my worry. I'm like, get in the freaking end zone. Fan- my fantasy team, my reality team. <laughs> so, um, but uh, Kenny gets behind Dan Moore Jr., and we're just like, is this is this really happening? Um, Dan Moore kind of cleared the path. I know he got behind Sue Mbalo too, but Dan Moore ended up with like pretty much nothing in front of him. And they let Dan Moore spike the football too, uh, if you didn't see that. So part I of the touchdown. Yeah, part of the touchdown celebration. So it was like, get behind these guys. And this That's good leadership from Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett probably hears all and sees all, and he knows that Dan Moore is not having the best time. Uh considered uh, the season that he's had. And then the first round rookie of Broderick Jones playing good last week. He probably did that very on purpose, handing him the ball to let him spike it, which I have my feelings towards Dan Moore, but y- you can't deny that um, they're uh, playing for each other on offense and they, they care about each other. So that's good for continuity and uh, good for just 
overall team vibes. Yeah, yeah, I loved it. I thought it was very telling. Maybe it'll shut some people up. Maybe they're happy Gunner's gone. Maybe that'll appease them for they got a win on the road and Gunner's gone. Everybody's happy. happy Gunner's gone, brother. Hey, by the way, was it this play or it might have been the next Steelers touchdown? They show Matt Can they show Matt Cannon all the time and it's like a quick blip. It's like one second, two second. And this time around, they actually show him and he said something like he's like, Hell yeah, or something like that. Like he actually had like some emotion. I'm like, Oh, they caught it this time. Like he gave him a let's go, I think. Yeah, let's go. Like, you know, and like a little fist pump or whatever. Cause then the next two times he's like, Statue, he might have done like you're gonna do this and then you're right back to your job. You're looking at the sheet and trying to calculate, you're trying to put together what what you're gonna do for a lot you know, of game left. Yeah, a lot of game left. Well, it's second half too. Like you're not going by script in the second half. Most of your scripts used up already. You've already kind of anything that you're trying to test, like that long pass on third down to George Pickens, like you're testing the waters to see, can we run this play? Can we flip this play? Can we get a matchup and do this again? Much like how the Steelers beat the Ravens and they looked for that uh, zero blitz and they were prepared for it. They not only practice for it, but they test the waters. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, it keeps, it keeps the defense honest. Yeah. You got the, um, the electric fence that's there and you keep tapping at it. Is this, is this thing working? Is this thing working? So uh, when you're in the second half, it's like a lot more things are a little bit on the fly. And I think that's just kind of like, maybe they're going to get a little bit better at the game planning, but it seemed like, you know, I know Matt Canada said, this isn't a team that can play from behind. And it was totally taken out of context. They're not built to, to play from behind. I don't think any team's built to play from behind, to be completely honest. You get down two that's, scores. That, that's what he meant. It, it, he it meant is. it sucks for every team to, to try to come back from behind is essentially what he was trying to say. But I, I definitely, I think everybody in the Steeler fan base and in the not Steeler fan base notices that they're just a better team offensively in the second half. And it could be for a multitude of reasons. You know, Kenny is just a gamer. He plays better when there is more on the line and the pressure's on, the lights are the brightest. And it isn't just him. I think the offense as a whole kind of follows his lead and they play better. They play more loose with, with less, less structure, I guess, you know, cause like you said, it's not as scripted in the second half. It's kind of more like you're going with the flow of the game. And as a fan, you would love to see them replicate and capture that magic for the first half, but it's just not how this, this team is schemed up right now. It's, it's uncanny how you can call it every week. We're going to come out, maybe hit a couple of plays offensively in the first half, but it's going to be slow and it's going to be ugly. And then the second half is going to come and we're going to turn it on. Yeah. Uh, well, turn it on. I'm still not thinking that they're going to actually turn anything on here. And we talk about like officiating and game changing calls. And that's about to come up here because uh part of Puka Nakua's eight catches for 154 yards, a large bulk of that comes on this next drive. You had uh, Cooper Cup only bottled up. And he only caught two of seven targets for 29 yards. So the Steelers effectively took him out of the game, even with uh, Levi Wallace. And Levi Wallace's playtime started to diminish some more. They were playing more Patrick Peterson opposite. They were moving Peterson around everywhere yesterday, which is the way I said that they needed to do it. Yeah, um, you got to do that with him at this stage in his career. That's what he's best suited for. Yeah. And Cooper Cup, he also forgot how to catch the ball in the first quarter. True. So that, True. that helped us out. I think he had three drops like in a row almost. Yeah. Well, here comes the call. It's third and let's see, third and three. LA's 32. And TJ Watt gets tagged with a an offside call. And you could tell he is yelling and he's all over whoever the side judge is that threw the flag on it because you blink and you're going to miss. TJ's just that fast off the ball. Now, can he be wrong sometimes? Absolutely. You're a human. Um, we never got in this game 
they were lauding, and this is the play right after this where Daryl Moose Johnson's lauding the camera work because you have that 32-yard uh, catch by Puka Nakua right on the sidelines. It's very close. They get L.A. runs right up to the line. Tomlin doesn't – I can't blame Tomlin for challenging this. You have no time to actually think or process, and anybody and their brother would have been like, challenge this, you know, you didn't have time to really think or see your process. There's no, but no way to see a replay. Right. And they're not, they're probably not showing that replay in the Ram stadium. <laughs> so and there's, there's gray area too, with, the, with that rule, because as, as recently as this season, you've seen catches overturned where the guy taps his toe, but if your heel or part of your foot touches the white in the same motion with your foot, yeah, it's called out. So it's it's like almost a judgment call now for the referees when they're like, okay, his toe hits inbounds, but does the side of his foot hit the white? Does it not hit at all? So it was that close where it could have been interpreted in that way where, yeah, he clearly tapped his toe, but the second part of the foot can't hit on the white like that. Or at least that's how they've interpreted the rule so far this season. You've seen some catches overturned where you're thinking, well, he just toe tapped. But then they explain that like he toe tapped, but his heel came down out of bounds. So there's a lot of reasons, or there's there's two reasons yeah. why I think Tomlin challenged. And one, it was because, you know, he was pressed for time. But two, that, that could have played to his favor if they would have seen it that way. They just didn't. Because I think really the side of his foot, it was close. But if he looked super, super close, there was like a real thin sliver of uh, green grass in between his foot and the sideline. It was just, I don't think he did that on purpose. <laughs> I think he was just a miraculous, lucky, good catch. Yeah, well, that changed the game. Both of these calls here, this ends up leading to Puka Nakua has another 20-yard catch, and this leads to Daryl Henderson eventually getting a touchdown run, and Cooper Cup ends up getting a two-point conversion. You got the Rams up 17-10 to with about nine minutes remaining. In the third quarter, Steelers, very quick drive that ends up uh, going all for not essentially a three and out with the exception of a penalty that has them uh, negate a um, minus uh, two run by Najee Harris. So you've got an eight-yard catch by Deontay Johnson. You go backwards, you have a penalty at second and 12, incomplete uh, pass intended for Connor Hayward, and then you have Kenny scramble just up the middle, two yards. I'm like, is he getting happy feet again? I don't know. Uh, Harvin with a nice 46-yard punt. Rams have this a- was This was the height of the uh, mm-hmm. Kenny Pickett impatience on Twitter, I noticed. after Because that pass to Hayward was probably his worst pass of the game. I said earlier it wasn't like uh, the 49ers game or the Texans game, but that pass was the first, like, okay, that was a bad decision, bad mark, bad everything. And that's when people started to lose their minds online. But right when you do that, the next series he came through yeah he does come through not before a little bit more of um nail biting this goes into the fourth quarter where or almost up to the fourth quarter i should say the rams uh, continued their possession uh let's see 11 plays 30 but only 38 yards of offense and it ends in another brett maher missed field goal from 51 yards gives the Steelers some new life. They end up with the ball on their own 41. Kenny ends up uh, starting to get some guys involved, even if it's not big gainers, three-yard pass to Najee Harris, Jalen Warren. He lost a yard on the one little flip out into the flat, third and eight, but he finds Deontay Johnson 
for a huge gainer, 39 yards, and then all of a sudden you're back in business, baby, because Jalen Warren just hits straight up the middle uh, for five yards. And then again, that was left guard behind Suamalo and left tackle behind Dan Moore for the 13-yard touchdown. They tied the game up 17-all, and you're like, okay, now, now they're back in business. Like, let's see if they could do something here because this entire time. Wait, yeah, I don't want to miss this or just gloss over this, but that pass to Deontay Johnson, that's what I've been harping on on this show is the route concepts the Steelers run just don't make sense for, for a young developing quarterback. You got guys running curl routes, hitch routes, comebacks, all these plays where the receiver is stationary. They stop and they come back to the quarterback and they stand there. And guess what? If they're covered, they're covered. Kenny has to throw it out of bounds or he takes a sack. That slant route to Deontay Johnson, oh, imagine that. It worked. He, he got it to he got the ball to Deontay while Deontay was still in motion and he takes it 39 yards. The Steelers have the talent in the receiver room that if you get the ball in these guys' hands, they can make plays happen. You're seeing it slowly develop in George Pickens' game, and Deontay's always had it. So my message to Matt Canada is like, remember that, dude. Remember that you have the tools in the toolbox to make this offense better. Like, get creative with the route concepts. Yeah, uh, hopefully. I know that's been we're, – we're preaching to the choir at this point with that. You know what I mean? But it, it was definitely encouraging to see – this the big gainer for a change, you know, and in a third and eight, you're just hoping they can get a first down. And instead, you know, two plays later, you're in the end zone and you've got a tie game. And it's like, wow, there's a lot of time left in this game. What can the Steelers defense do? Well, they lean on Nick Herbig. They lean on Landon Roberts and it's the first three and out. But guess what? This punter named Evans. Is it Evan Evans? <laughs> uh, like there's an echo in here. 68 yard punt, but it was a touchback. I was like, holy cow, man. I'm like, you know, why don't I ever have a guy that could do something like that that plays for the Steelers? So um helps to play in a dome too. But here you go. You got George Pickens. Kenny finds him for 18 yards. Very first play out of shotgun. And then George is getting tagged with a taunting penalty. And okay, Pickens penalty, probably more of a penalty than later on with Deontay Johnson. Deontay Johnson is just, you know, like, can you do anything? Just don't do anything. You know what I mean? Don't make any motions. I guess don't have any reaction. This is like the inverse of when they used to complain about everyone with the touchdown celebrations. You can't like have any emotion for making a big play whatsoever. Don't celebrate anywhere near the quarterback. You're going to, you, you just had a big game changing sack, but guess what? We're going to hit you with the penalty and it's going to be an automatic first down or whatever. If you celebrate a sack in a certain way, it's just ridiculous. It takes away you from the game. Be smart. Yeah. You gotta be smart, man. You're hurting your team and you're hurting your quarterback because this ties back to what I was trying to explain earlier. There's like four or five plays you can point to in this game where the quarterback made the right throw, connected on the right throw, but you got penalties, taunting calls, unsportsmanlike, like it just alligator arms. There, there was a plethora of plays in this game that should have gone the other way for the Steelers. Should have been a positive play, but they step on their own feet. They get in their own way and. At the end of the day, that is so frustrating because as a fan, you can see you can see it work. Like it's happening live time before our eyes, like good offensive play. But like the Steelers are so bad on offense that you can't afford any mistakes like that. Oh, I know. You hurt I the know. team and you hurt your quarterback. I know. And that was the whole game, it felt like, you know? And exactly. 
at least there wasn't any major turnovers. There was almost the one where Kenny was looking for, um, uh, I think Connor Hayward, and it got tipped like three times before it would just, I'm like, oh, thank God it fell to the ground. You yeah, know that I mean? was like two drives before. That yeah, was like yeah. his worst throw of the game by far. That mm -hmm. play, you won't catch me defending that. That was a bad was throw, forced. bad decision. Got lucky it wasn't picked. But that was an outlier of the game Kenny Pickett played yesterday. Yeah, but for the most part here, this is where he starts warming up. This was almost indefensible. Like he, he could not guard Deontay Johnson. You could not guard George Pickens on these plays. Kenny is throwing them open. This is the major difference. He wasn't seeing the field the same way, particularly, especially week one against the 49ers. I'll even say against the Cleveland Browns, he was struggling. I think playing against some of these better defense, different concepts and schemes, even with the Ravens up until like the near the end of that game, uh, I think it's starting to pieces are starting to come together. After the taunting, you got Najee running the ball. You got Jalen Warren running the ball. You got Kenny on third and one sneaking it. You're like, all right. Good. Keep this going. You got a chance. This is a tie ball game. Let's get something here, even if it's a Boswell field goal. You know, 21 yard pass to George Pickens. Najee picks up 10. Then he picks up five. Then they find Deontay on another pass for 11 yards. Rams get tagged too many players on the field. Kenny uh, finds Connor Hayward for 11 yards on a first and five. Najee ends up right up the middle uh, for three yards. Najee was not going to be denied. Najee was running like a man possessed yesterday, like a man that like had been criticized that you could lose your job to Jalen Warren, your former first round pick. You want to see these other guys that are talking about making money at the running back position, like put up or shut up. And he was certainly putting up. He he. He almost scared me, though. I thought he was going to fumble the one, like where he just uh, w went to reach f for it. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you were talking <laughs> yeah. about that Falcons game, and I had seen that happen with Red Zone. Uh, Drake, it might have been Drake London, actually, maybe it not was. Desmond Ritter. And I'm like, oh, dear. It just gives me that Xavier Grimble vibes against Denver in that playoff game uh, years ago. So they say Bill Belichick, like, it doesn't allow you to do that. Like, I remember hearing that about Belichick in the Patriots. I don't know if they still do this because. They won on Sunday, but they're not the same Patriots anymore. But he like refute he um what's what I'm looking for? He does not allow players to do that. Like if you are a Patriot and you got caught extending the ball over the goal line, you'd be cut the next day or fined because he just knows it's the risk is not worth the reward. You get a touchback or worse. Yeah. Najee puts the Steelers up. After the Chris Boswell extra point conversion, 24 to 17. You got about seven minutes and twenty seconds left. In this game, let's see what the Rams are going to do. Patrick Peterson on an illegal contact that, eh, this is where I was starting to get a little sketch on some of the calls. And now you're letting Royce Freeman run free a little bit, but Stafford, he's feeling heat everywhere. Keanu Benton puts on some amazing pressure. He misses Puka Nakua. They end up having to punt once more. The Steelers get the ball back. Uh, Najee Harris, uh, a couple of runs. Uh Kenny Pickett finds George Pickett's again for 31 yards. This one was by Kobe Durant. The previous play for 21 was a killer Witherspoon, by the way, in the coverage. This was is that, where was that up the middle? Uh, the I just lost one. it. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes. Uh, it's a beautiful pass. Yes. Beautiful pass. Great Wait, execution. Say that again, louder for those in the back. It was in the Be middle. B-E-A, beautiful pass up the middle. Use the middle of the field. Get your receivers in motion down the field play action. It's like when they remember to do these things, it works. And yet they're resistant to go back to them. But I guess given the state of how this offense has been this year, we should be appreciative that they at least do it sometimes. 
uh, appreciative uh, appreciative to get anything man it's like can i please have some more ports sir <laughs> like almost, almost all of the best pass plays are over the middle like yeah. a, a lot of the best throws where you got people saying oh that's a big time throw from kenny pickett they've been over the middle like if he's good at it and it's an nfl throw keep doing it these sideline throws they can work because george pickens is such a talent and you saw deontay johnson make some outside catches too but there's no reason why they should ignore the middle of the field as much as they do, especially when you see it work as often as it does whenever they pull it out. Yeah, and this was Aaron Donald breathing down Kenny's neck too. Like, and he stood tall in there, didn't have his happy feet, and it was um, it was a thing of beauty. This is where you get the uh, Rams to start burning some timeouts. And they burn him, and you got a third and eight, and Kenny Pickett is looking for Deontay Johnson, and they have a... Uh, pass interference call that would have been a first down this is like you're getting into the ball game territory because you're about to hit the two minute warning and it's going to be the only other time that the rams could stop the clock sean mcveigh is trying to get it um get ahead of that and maybe still have that and get the ball back and have the two minute warning to stop the clock once for an opportunity to come back they still need they're down seven they need the score however this was deontay johnson quiet putting the finger up to his lips i'm like come on man is that really a flag after a big play like that you know somebody got handsy that was way worse of a call or more of a pass interference than whatever illegal contact or cop out that was just earlier with patrick peterson but anyways it's a soft call but it, it's the penalty yeah. you know it's like the george pickens crack back block he didn't hurt that guy yeah, but, but that's that just, was, you got to know the rules, man. Yeah, by definition, maybe a little too black and white on, uh, you know, that, that's an intensity that's like, a, that's part of the game. Like, that's not part of the game. That, uh, the one with Pickens in the, in the crackback block, you can't go back towards your own goal line um, and towards your own end zone and throw that block. That was, uh, that's specific because guys don't have a head on a swivel. It's a safety issue. This is like like little kids stuff. You know what I mean? I guarantee these guys are swearing at each other all game long. But as long as they verbalize it and don't actually like, you know, put up a middle finger or something or throw a punch, like, come on, man. He's like telling them. They're, to be they're quiet. judgment calls. They're judgment yeah, calls. I'll I give mean, you that. The referee, it is a judgment call because I watch games every Sunday and I think, uh, oh, that's going to be a taunting. And it isn't. You know, it's, it's like whatever the ref is deciding that day, you'll see guys scream in uh another player's face you'll see receivers Dude. get up and do the look down at the cornerback and you're like that's going to be a flag and that was kind of the and, pickens one right because pickens was yeah. like over top of him. how many times did aj brown do that in the sunday night game exactly the yeah it's like the every refs play. just pick and choose it's it was every every freaking play and deontay johnson you know he, he's basically sealing the game he does his job and pff, yeah, then you get tagged with a penalty. I, I'm not a fan of that one, and that could have cost the Steelers. And it's like, how do you – like this isn't like something where somebody's dancing around like Antonio Brown doing a flip or whatever Antonio Brown used to do. Uh, I thought that was pretty pretty, pretty ticky-tack there. Uh, and Deontay was interviewed after the game, and he mentioned that it really wasn't um, his intention to taunt because uh, he made it seem like – and I've yet to hear – um, Witherspoon's rebuttal to this, but Deontay made it seem as if like they did, he did that to Akella Witherspoon because they were former teammates and, and friends for, for lack and of a better term. He's just messing with his boy. The referees have to know that the, the referees yeah. should know that they know they should know who played with who. And, you know, even guys that went to college together and I like, even what I officiated, 
And I knew some of these, you'd have transfers between different colleges. You'd have people that played on club teams together or high school. They came out of like wherever the same area, the same town, they knew each other. They played alongside each other or they were competitors with each other for so long, but on a friendly, there was friendly terms there. You knew when it was malicious versus when it wasn't. And that you kind of proved my point there. I don't think anything malicious was done there, but anyways, um, Alan Robinson, just short, just shy of moving these sticks. And this is where I wanted to go back to. I said the Puka Nakua thing, and now I'm going to go to this one too. Daryl Moose Johnson talking about how great the camera work was with the Fox broadcast team. And when we saw Puka Nakua, like, okay, that was a kind of decent shot. You could see some green, but there was like one, like one freaking angle. Billion dollar industry of the NFL. How much did they sell the Washington Commanders for? $8 billion or something crazy? Like, we can't get cameras. We can't get like fixed. I will, I will die on this hill, dude. It's like, they don't want to get the calls right. Sometimes Sean, 100%, Mc... yeah, hundred percent. So this is, this is North of the two minute warning. Kenny Pickett left guard four yard. Looks like he's stopped short. Will we ever know? No, because when you got this diagonal line, you're looking at it here. Like, Hey, Oh, he didn't meet, reach that line. How do you know? Unless you're standing right on the line, you gotta be standing. Like the human eye is great. If you're at a 90 degrees, like a, a, like a corner, right. And you're looking straight across and you find a spot like, um, across the street or something, you could line up with that damn near perfect. And you would know if you have like, where's the pylon camera. We had no pylon camera footage. You know what I mean? And everybody holds the ball differently. You yes. know, you got guys yes. across like this. Some guys have it in their gut. Some guys will extend it. Like it looked like Kenny had it, you know, right about here. Mm -hmm. And depending on where his knee was when he fell, it's very possible that the tip of the ball did cross the line to gain. It didn't look great for the Steelers, but everybody gets calls. Everybody has calls against them. They don't agree with everybody gets help from the reps from time to time. And, the fact that the Rams blew their timeouts and couldn't challenge and couldn't have it reviewed, that comes back to their own problem, their mistake. Yeah. You know, nobody knows poor clock management and poor timeout use more than us Steeler fans. You know, I love Tomlin, but that's been a, a clear deficiency in his uh, profession for the duration of the time he's been here. But so that that's on McVeigh, man, that, that you should have had a timeout in a game like this, where it was virtually tied, like the entire game, there was a change of a league change every so often, but the game was close the whole time. And when you're in a close game like that, you got to figure timeouts are going to come into play at the end of the game. You got to have one left. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He didn't do himself any favors. He was trying to get it back for the fourth down. The spot with Allen Robinson I was commending that I was texting Brian and I was like, holy cow, like to do that in real time and spot it where they did short was incredible. What an incredible call. So I will give the referees props on that one. You could obviously be right. We have no way of knowing. And then did you actually know if they got the first down, they measured it. They had like this overview, like with the camera and they stretched the sticks. I couldn't see where the nose of the ball was. I'm like, why is it such a mystery? Like are, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know until they had the stick firmly planted in the ground next to the football that I could see that it was like I, I that much past. Yeah. I didn't have the TV like right in front of my face. I'm like looking at a distance and I'm like, Oh, and then they just snap away from it. I'm like, yeah, great camera work guys. Like get us something. that's down the line. Where's the pylon cam at? Show us the pylon cam that you're supposed to have there. That's why they put it there. Yeah, what happened to that? Yeah, and you have one on both sides of the field. You see the guys, like the chain gang, and they pick it up, and they move it, and they set it up for the next set of downs and everything, and we're still using the sticks, and we don't have a ball that's chipped or anything. Like, the World Cup, 
with soccer again i know people aren't necessarily always the big soccer fans football people usually aren't <laughs> so which is okay but they have this goal line technology with soccer the whole of the ball has to be all the way between like the crossbar and in between the bars and over over the line can't not touching no piece of the ball can be touching the line or it's no goal and fifa's figured this out but the nfl refuses to use similar technology like come on yeah. um I, and I don't know what I, I don't know if there's any like integrity to the i gotta figure out that if fifa figured it out with the soccer ball that it doesn't hurt the integrity of playing the game and kicking the ball around versus throwing or kicking a ball around the nfl you could even use it too when you got like these kicks sometimes like an extra point or a field goal and it goes sailing over one of the upright and one guy looks at the other guy and the guy's like, why are you looking at me? It's like over you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. is it good? Okay. I guess it's all right. Uh, you know, so uh, that drives me nuts, but uh, the kneel downs and victory formation, good victory by the Steelers. I would have liked a little less controversy there at the end. I'm just saying with the camera angles, somebody's gonna be like, Oh, you're a Homer. You know, for sure. He wasn't. No, there's no way of knowing. Go out there and stand on the field sometime and stand five yards away from the line of scrimmage or the line to gain and then tell me if you can tell if somebody made it or not decisively unless you see them physically, especially when it's like a hash mark type situation, you know, not the line on TV that they draw because that's unofficial. If it's like where there's a hash and they're in like in, in, in the green somewhere, there's no now if you got to go over like a goal line or over like, you know, one of the other um down markers where you got to strip the line painted straight across the field and they got to go over that boundary. That's a lot easier to be able to tell if the ball passes or not. And then in these situations, it's usually not. And especially when you know, there's going to be like 22 dudes piled up on one another right there too. That's obstructing your view. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's the end of the game. So it's a big deal. Naturally it's, it's the one play people will point at and say, well, that wasn't fair. That's not fair. But I think it was Peter Schrager on good morning football this morning that said it best. And he's, He's a friend of Sean McVay's. They're buddies, and like he's a he's a Rams supporter, as most media members are, because they're the new LA team. You're, you're supposed to support the Rams like blindly if you're in media. I don't know if anybody else has noticed that, but they all do that. And uh, Peter Schrager said the Steelers earned that win. Like they they made more plays than the Rams. Um, the offense was better than the Rams' offense in the fourth quarter. Our defense made plays. Like yeah, you can say a call got a call was on one way, or you know the Steelers lucked out on this side, the Rams lucked out over here, but in, in the grand scheme of the game, the Steelers deserve the win. So you can cry about the fourth down call or not, but they made enough plays to win the game. And that's why they did. Yep. Well, we're up against it, dude. Pretty uh, long show here, but we had a lot of things to say. It's always, we have a lot more to say when there's victories. So it was Hell good. Yeah. It was good to see, um, I mean, Dan Moore played uh, up to snuff. Aaron Donald didn't kill them. They got the run game going a little bit. Uh, just some final numbers. Najee Harris, 14 carries for 53 yards, 3-8 average. Jalen Warren, 6 for 32. That was a 5-3 average. Each of them had a touchdown. Kenny added another rushing touchdown. Three rushing touchdowns in this game. Who would have thunk it? Doesn't help Kenny, though, when somebody goes back and looks at his numbers and says, oh, well, he's throwing more interceptions than he has touchdowns because – on this end, you got all of it. All the offense was all rushing TDs. So uh, you're going to have I think that. He's thrown the most, I think he's thrown the most touchdowns in the AFC North, though, unless Lamar just tied him. But last mm. week, he had the best stats out of the whole AFC North. Yeah, Lamar had two for Mark Andrews alone. That was one of the dudes I actually played that was smart. <laughs> end day. For a change. And he had one for Nelson Aguilar, too. Yeah, so Jackson had three TDs yesterday. He had a 155.8 um quarterback rating which hey i'm a lamar sick. guy so 
good for yeah, me i'm never a lamar guy he's gonna wearing that the wrong color that the purple and black is disgusting it's disgusting oh, can't imagine yeah couldn't do it couldn't wear it never uh anyways folks Steelers uh improved the four and two who would have thunk it right three and one um three and one in the afc but this was the nfc game but still keeps pace with everyone else the bengals were the only team that were on a bye week right here so we're going to continue forward look forward to the game against jacksonville jaguars uh this upcoming sunday and maybe you and i get back together and talk a little bit about this uh later this week so folks uh well zach thanks for joining us of course take a time out of your schedule and folks that'll do it for us don't forget to like comment subscribe leave a rating review thank you wherever you are watching or listening from follow that man right there at ze flash nfl on x formerly twitter if you haven't been on there in a while yeah throw up the x <laughs> throw up the x that could be bad and both like you throw up the x this way then it's usually like stop the clock we need somebody to come out and take care of someone so bring the stretcher but uh thankfully not in any steelers games knock on wood don't need anything like that so uh looking forward hopefully soon Get Cam Hayward back into this mix. I'm gonna be I'm be happy. Need to get him going. And I was very sad that Pat Fryermuth got hurt again, but um, and we'll also see where are we at now. Week seven, trade deadline coming around the corner. With the way the Steelers were making some subtle changes in that secondary, could they add something there? Maybe. We'll find out soon enough. But possibly you. Possibly. I don't know. I, I'm not gonna say anything. I don't think I would have ever been suited to be a corner. That's for sure. I don't want to play defense at all. They get fined. So it's harder than it looks. <laughs> it is very much so. All right, folks, that'll do it for us. My name's Joe. His name's Zach. Till next time. I encourage everyone out there to be safe, be good, and we'll catch you later. We would like to thank you for listening and remind our listeners to follow us on social media and our website, www.steelcityunderground.com.